Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Heisenberg. <laughs> and we are a married couple like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week, yeah. we are finishing off our bad movie month. We started off with Chicken Little, uh, a Disney classic. Uh, <laughs> then we we uh, went on to The Last Airbender, which stole our souls and mashed them up and grinded them down to nothing. But now we have returned. And this one's like the mother load, you guys. This one is the creme de la creme of So Bad It's Good Cinema. And I'm so excited. Scott, what magical fucking miracle of a film did we watch today sing it for us <laughs> no say it for us then we watched the spice girls movie spice world <laughs> released in 1997 now just to have some background on this thing you guys this movie has been on my list for scott from the birth of shoot the flick this is a movie that I had on VHS growing up. I watched it a million, million, trillion, bajillion times. I had to stop myself several times throughout the movie from just reciting the entire script along with the film because I had seen it so many times. And I was dying to show Scott this movie because it is truly so bad it's good. I personally love it unironically, but I feel like... The general consensus regarding this film is that it is so bad it's good. And um, there's just, I mean, I don't even know, I, I can't even summarize it in like a couple of sentences. There's just so much happening, so many hijinks, so many songs, so many cameos from celebrities that did not want to be there. <laughs> this movie does not have a plot it's it it uh it's no. very weak uh, but it's a plot this movie it, it's supposed to be what hard day's night was for the beatles but like a funny cult parody of that i don't think this was supposed to be a cult movie it is it's i would say it's a cult classic it's got a cult following for sure I couldn't find this film for the longest time, okay? I wanted to show Scott this movie forever, like I said, and I always looked for it. I, I could never find it just streaming anywhere. And then one magical, mystical day, I was scrolling through Amazon, and wouldn't you know it, it popped up like, a DVD version of the film on pre-order. I had to pre-order this fucking film so we could watch it. And now I own it. I bought it with my money, and I, I can't tell you how thrilled I am about that. And I sat on it. We we bought it. It came to the house and I sat on it. I didn't touch it. I was like, I can't watch this movie because I want to save it for Shoot the Flick. And now she's watched it multiple times. Since now I have watched it twice within 24 hours. And I'm so happy. <laughs> Don't worry, Frankie. My vengeance will come. That's and it fine. will be swift I'm and really red. and Swift and red. Yes. Swift. Swift and red. And red. Is that referring to something specific? Yes, it is. What? There will be killer. 
they might go on a pizza at some point. Oh no! It will Stay happen. Stay tuned for Halloween time, folks. Um, but that's not till forever from now. My Maybe a few weeks. But uh, who cares about that? Nobody cares. I don't care. I'm happy. You could never make me feel bad about doing this movie, Scott. I hyped up Scotty a lot for this. It is arguably might be one of the most insane movies we've ever watched. And the- I love it. I love it so much. I, I, I'm trying to think of another movie. We watched Michael J. Fox play a wolf. Yes. We've watched... I, I'm legitimately trying to roll through the we've roller watched, decks of movies. We've watched fucking clip art birds That's flying right. through the air. Caw, caw, caw. And this is crazier than we that. We watched Whoopi Goldberg team up with a T-Rex in the Buddy yes. Cop movie. Uh-huh. And I would still think this movie may be more bonkers than Theodore X. Scott didn't rate the movie. He, he did not know how to do it. And he's like, I guess you're just going to have to talk this out with me i said okay <laughs> i'm gonna do my patented frankie talk up and get him to like a, if i can get scott to a two and a half on this movie i will consider it a success because i knew from the beginning he wouldn't like it but i thought maybe and still do think that i can get him to a point where he can appreciate the camp of it and he did laugh at some jokes genuinely so i feel like i can get him to two and a half the reason i can't rate this movie Yes, yeah, so let's talk about that. Why do you feel like you can't rate this? Because I don't know what... To, my brain is... Well, we're going to straighten some stuff out. But I did offer you the opportunity to rewatch the film with no. me. Nope, nope, nope. But no. you vehemently refused. Not even for the purposes of science. Nope. But you rewatched this movie. <laughs> nope. There are things in this movie that you sit there and you're like, where are we going? What, what exactly what is this exactly and then there are other things where you're like why is this here exactly oh a funny joke from somebody oh that's that's kind of funny and then you're like wait where did they go oh wait, wait oh no, no they're back now oh no no they're gone again oh wait there's this other Scott, he didn't believe me man he didn't believe me uh, oh we're best friends we've been best friends forever yeah okay slow the fuck down um uh, okay well here's the thing I, I i'm glad that you feel so passionately about it and we're gonna we're gonna work it out. But here's the thing: I told Scott before, right before we watched this movie, I'm like, "You're gonna have a verbal reaction to this. This is gonna make you, oh, what, what?" And he didn't believe me. And within maybe five minutes, we had to pause the movie. <laughs> we had to pause the movie a couple of times because Scott was just like, "What? Who?" And the cameos, guys. We'll talk about the cameos. Some of these cameos, <laughs> Scotty was uh, shooketh. There's aliens. There are there are aliens. There are aliens in the Spice World movie. Aliens. <laughs> I heard aliens. We're gonna get there. But to start off with some preliminary fun facts here, for those of you who don't know who the Spice Girls are, they are a, a British pop girl group. They led the teen pop surge in the '90s. Three hit studio albums, multiple concert tours. They have, to this day, the best-selling album by a female group. Uh, with their second album, which is what was being made while this movie was being made, it made over 23 million dollars. That album, which we listened to in the car today against Scotty's will (laughs) and he was not happy but it's okay we had to get into the vibe the film was a a huge success unfortunately about three years after the movie came out the the band broke up 
And they have not gone back together since. Well, they've had like brief reunions here and there. Uh, what happened was, if I remember correctly, one of the Spice Girls left the band. The remaining girls tried to continue as a foursome. Didn't really work out. So they they fully ended their group in the year 2000. Scott, just real quick. Um, can you, because you, you couldn't do it before the movie. But could you now name all of the Spice Girls and their government names? <laughs> okay. Um, let's let's see if we can do it. <laughs> Ginger is Jerry. Correct. Scary is Mel B. Yes. Sporty is Mel C. Yes. Baby is Emma. Uh huh. And then the, the one you knew before. Oh, Posh is Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> The movie was directed by a Mr. Bob Spears, who did mostly television throughout his career, and it was written by Kim Fuller. Kim Fuller also wrote another banger of a film with music in it, From Justin to Kelly. What a piece of junk. And you'll like this one, Scott, before we get into the nitty and the gritty. This film was nominated for seven, count them, seven Razzie Awards. Thank God. And only won one of them. And that would be for Worst Actress, or Actresses, I should say. The Spice Girls won for Worst Actress. Oh, really? I never would have guessed because they can't fucking act. <laughs> yeah, they also won a Stinker's Bad Movie Award for Worst Actress, and the Stinker's Awards gave them Worst Picture. You know what movie this makes look so much better? This makes Josie and the Pussycats look so much better. Well, that is funny you mentioned that because Josie and the Pussycats shares uh, a particular actor that played a significant role in this movie. So we'll we'll talk about it. It's it, this is great. I'm so excited. Okay, so uh, now that we're done with all the drivel of fun facts, you know the the preliminary things. Scott, are you ready to get into the nitty gritty of this? Is it still too late to run? Scotty, I'm going to present this to you in the best way possible here so I can get you to break this a two and a half. That's my goal. I want you to think this is okay by the end of this conversation. Frankie. Scott. I would do anything for love. Oh, no. But I won't do that. Foreshadowing. Okay. <laughs> so we start off our masterpiece. Oh, <laughs> Uh, new choice new choice shut up (laughs) uh we start off with an introduction to our five ladies the spice girls some might call them we do the fucking sitcom opening how is it a sitcom because we we do the silhouette and then they show their face and then we get like mel c well people like you need that because you didn't know their fucking names Yeah, I didn't. Okay, so then shut up about it. <laughs> so they're performing a song, and we get uh, the full performance of the song, Too Much. Well, I don't know. Don't you understand? Understand, understand. I want a man, not a he The majority of the songs in this movie come off their second album, which was released, I think, in conjunction with the movie. There are a few songs from their first album, including Wannabe, in here, but we'll get there when we get there. So they do their intro song, and it's great. It's a bop. And shut up, Scott. And we get introduced to not just the Spice Girls, but a few of our supporting cast in here, which some of them will surprise you. Firstly, 
the girls' manager named Clifford, who is played by Oscar-nominated actor Richard E. Grant. <laughs> what are you doing in this movie, sir? Well, this was early in his career, before he was Oscar-nominated, obviously. I actually didn't realize that it was him until I did research for this show. Like, I knew the guy who played the manager, right? And I know who Richard E. Grant is, but I just never made that connection. For those of you who don't know by the name, Richard E. Grant, we actually talked about him very briefly on the show before. He played General Pride in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. If you don't remember that character, don't worry. I didn't either. Um, (laughs) And he also had a very short little part in Loki season one as old Loki. Ah, and he's great. I mean, he eats this role. He really does. He's trying. But like several other actors in this movie, Richard E. Grant admitted that he only did the movie for the money and because his teen daughter loved the Spice Girls. And, you know, you got to do you got to do a movie for the kids. Yes, because, you know, that worked so well for Raul Julia. Well, it did. He was in Street Fighter. It's his yeah. last movie. And his kids probably loved it. Yeah, I'm sure his kids loved it, but it goes down as his last movie. Well, okay. He made his kids happy with his last uh-uh. role. That's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, we also meet his assistant, Deborah, who's played by Claire Rushbrook. What, wait, she has a name? Deborah. yeah. The, the name I don't think is mentioned until halfway through the movie. For like the first half of the film, she's just like the quiet kind of mousy assistant girl. Their main thing together, at least, is that the Spice Girls ship the two of them together. But meanwhile, for the first like three quarters of the film, there's really nothing there, no chemistry or anything. Richard E. Grant's character is just crazy fucking neurotic guy. And Deborah, the assistant, is just like a nice girl and she's trying to, you know, do her job and do it well. And oh, such a nice girl. So yeah, so next we introduce Pierce, who is the documentarian who is filming a documentary on the Spice Girls and he is played by Alan fucking Cumming. (laughs) Before I get into Alan Cumming, this crew of documentarians are the worst documentarians I've ever seen. They're barely ever filming. When they are filming, it's just nonsense. And Alan Cumming screaming over the... (laughs) Over the boom mic, which I'm like, you wouldn't be able to hear anything. It's funny because Richard E. Grant plays this neurotic, loose cannon of a, like, manager. Well, he's not a loose cannon. He's very, like, buttoned up and, like, serious all the time, but he's crazy also. He is one thing going wrong from, like, losing his mind. Yes, that's his thing the whole time. So, like, this role is literally Alan Cummings' role in Josie and the Pussycats. Kind of. Just the, the the neurotic... Like, I could see Alan... Very uptight, like, manager type. I, right. I, if you took Alan Cumming and put him in this role, I almost think he does it better. No, Richard E. Grant kills this role. I, I'm sorry. I think Alan Cumming does great, too. I think he would do great in the role, but I don't want to take anything away from Richard E. Grant because I feel like... For someone that didn't really want to do this role and just did it because money and make the kid happy, like, he, he pulled out a really good performance. I'm not saying he's not a good performance. I'm just saying, Richard E. Grant, if, like, you rated, I would say he did, like, an 8 out of 10 out of this performance. But you have a guy who I feel like could do an 11 out of 10. Maybe. I'm sure that's true. But I, I disagree that it was 8 out of 10. I think every performance in this movie was 10 out of 10. <laughs> The documentarian 
subplot disappears like halfway through the movie Kinda. and then comes back at the end. Yeah. Yeah. They're just there to cause an extra layer of hijinks, I guess, when things are happening. Basically, this whole movie can be loosely described as far as its structure as gig of some kind for the Spice Girls, go on the tour bus, ha- have talkie talkies on the tour bus, funny, quirky dialogue. <laughs> then next gig, then talkie talkie, then next little hijink gig or thing they have to do as a group. So it just kind of goes back and forth that way for the first two thirds of the film. And then the plot, the real main plot, doesn't pick up till the last half hour of the movie. Which we'll get to eventually when we get to the last half hour. This movie's only 90 minutes long. I feel like this is this review is going to be a lot. We stopped this movie four times. Well, because of you. Because you four were just overwhelmed. Exactly. In an hour and a half, we stopped this movie four times for me to readjust and be like, what just happened? But yeah, after the girls perform... We get them leaving the venue and going into their tour bus. They run into Elton John on the way. We get our first celebrity cameo with Elton John. And then we go out to the Spice Bus, which, by the way, after this movie's release, guess what was released as a toy? Well, let me guess. <laughs> the, Spice the Spice Bus. bus. <laughs> I wish that I had it. Although this Spice Bus, we got to talk about the bus. The bus is the fucking TARDIS. <laughs> It's a double-decker bus, but it looks like a fucking house mansion inside. If the inside of this bus was actually, like, relative to the outside of the bus, it would take up four lanes of traffic. Fair. Uh, And we also meet the driver of the bus, who's named Dennis, who's played by... Meatloaf! Meatloaf! And I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Uh, This was two years before Fight Club, which we also talked about on our show. Uh, Unfortunately, Meatloaf, in his uh, epic musical splendor, passed away last year. But he had some really good jokes in this movie. Meatloaf is... He was adorable. I think Meatloaf, as a side character, whenever he shows up in a movie, usually is very fun in the movie. But the fact that we've covered two movies with Meatloaf is hysterical to me. So we get the girls going into the bus and we get the first real look at their quote-unquote acting skills. It ain't good. You know, they all have their little quirks, their own like little personality things for the sake of the movie. For example, Jerry, a.k.a. Ginger Spice, she's a smarty pants. She's always talking about horoscopes and playing chess and spitting out random facts that nobody gives a shit about. Posh is always talking about clothes. This is one particular joke in the movie that always gets me and always made me laugh, even as a kid. It's always the same. I never know what to wear. Yeah, it must be really hard for you, Victoria. You know, Charles decides whether to wear the little Gucci dress, the little Gucci dress, or the little Gucci dress. Exactly. I know. Why don't you wear the little Gucci dress? Uh, you got Sporty Spice, who is, of course... Just lifting weights. <laughs> or, you know, 
moving around on the stripper pole that's there. It's a fire station thing. They go up and down the fire station pole. Stripper pole. Oh, shut up. She's probably, and I feel bad because she is the one with really zero acting experience before this. She's the only one. The rest of them have at least a little bit of acting experience. Really? Yeah, we'll talk about it in a second. But Mel C, who is sporty, is just in the way she speaks... She's the most indiscernible. Like there are times where she says a whole sentence and I don't know what she said. I still love her, but I don't know what she said. <laughs> I, I don't know. There was something about her that just kind of, she was fine. She, I, I guess because she seemed like the most realistic. Both the Mel's. Looking back on this movie now, Mel B, who is Scary Spice, is the most like me, I feel like, as a, at least as a character in the movie. Not as like a real person, because I don't know, you know, what these women were like in real life or what they are like now, you know. But as far as the movie is concerned, the caricature or whatever, the vibe that was being put out for Scary Spice is the most like me. Because she often, when hijinks or more serious things or quote unquote serious things are happening in the movie, Scary Spice will be the first one to do something wacky or make like a funny joke. And that's me, basically. Well, yeah, out of the Spice Girls, she had the most funny lines. Yeah, I would say she had a lot of the funnier lines. The the two males just seemed like they were more down to earth and like they got to be themselves. Yeah. Because Posh seemed over the whole thing. Well, Posh is supposed to be Posh, so she just had to act over everything, and all she cared about was clothes. Any joke that Victoria Beckham had was just clothes, makeup, like that that was her caricature. And same thing kind of with Baby Spice, where she's cutesy, like, oh, bubblegum, oh, I'm such a little girl. Like, it's kind of weird. But Ginger just kind of seemed out of place trying to be the smart one. Yeah, well, because the rest of them kind of have a built-in caricature with their name and she's just the redhead and ginger is just ginger so they had to figure out something for her to do but as far as their acting experience it's very minimal uh i know mel b and emma had small bit parts on soap operas in the uk at some point victoria and jerry they both auditioned for tank girl at one point (laughs) I thought you'd find that funny since you've actually seen Tank Girl. I have not. You don't need to see Tank Girl. Um, but actually, Victoria had also auditioned for Lara Croft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, also there was another kind of post-breakup role. Jerry, the one who first left the band, after leaving had uh, auditioned for Christmas Jones in that whatever Bond movie Christmas Jones is in, Denise Richards. So they they had all had some sort of acting experience except Mel C, which is apparent. I'd say maybe her and Victoria were the weakest as far as acting. Yeah. The rest of them did okay. I mean, no one's winning a fucking Oscar. No, they're winning Razzies. Right, literally. But there weren't very many emotional moments here. You know what I mean? It's not really, we're not here for that. The most emotional or like serious thing we discuss, we vaguely touch upon once in a blue 
the pressures of being famous and you know how fleeting fame can be and how the you know anxieties and the pressures that come with fame blah 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 but then as soon as they even touch upon that within 30 seconds they're moving on to something else and some like silly joke so um you know they're not here for their acting skills no they are not they're here for music and for silly goofy things and to kiss the aliens and to kiss the we'll get there oh god um i can't get off the aliens well you're gonna have to dear no we have so much more to go through i have speaking of james bond oh god why man see the i told you though like some of the cameos in this movie are going to lose your shit. I was really mad though because in the opening credits sequence they had they revealed some of the cast so you know Scott found out about this little performance which by the way this person was nominated for worst supporting actor at the Razzies. Um Roger Moore is in this movie. He plays the role of Chief who is a high-powered record company executive who is in charge of the Spice Girls and of Clifford. For those of you who don't know, who are living under a rock, he was James Bond. He replaced Sean Connery as Bond. He did like seven fucking Bond films throughout the 70s and 80s. The guy was a legend and he filmed all of his fucking material for this movie in one day and knew absolutely nothing about anything else that was going on in this movie. And his material for the movie is bizarre to say the least. Roger Moore, he is... A great James Bond. He always has been, you know, it, it's always funny because you always get the argument of Connery, Moore, Dalton, Brosnan, and now Craig. And it's like, oh, who's the best James Bond? And everyone's got their supporters. And Roger Moore definitely is a very good James Bond. It's so funny seeing him do this because I feel like he, he never got to do anything other than this type of role where he's like the posh secret agent posh billionaire like he never felt his personality is so different from sean connery's bond so seeing him in this you could tell he has no idea what he's doing no i mean he's never in a scene with anybody else in the movie no so he's by himself and he's on the phone all his scenes take place on the phone so it's essentially we put roger moore in a room and he's holding a cute animal and saying weird shit. When the rabbit of chaos is pursued by the ferret of disorder through the fields of anarchy, it is time to hang your pants on the hook of darkness, whether they're clean or not. If you have something, then there can be no nothing. And if you don't have anything, there can be something. It's like if a fortune cookie was tossed in the fucking washing machine and got, like, whited, like, all mishmash, and you had to read it. Oh, Roger. He's always telling Clifford what to do with the girls and, like, keep them on the schedule and make sure to watch out for them and keep them on the path because, you know, we have a schedule and we must keep the schedule. This movie is funny, but it also feels like the funny doesn't connect with each other. At least for my first time watch, it felt like, oh, that was funny. And then it was like the next line doesn't really connect with the line previous, so... It's like Oh, so you admit that you're going to watch it again because you just said, on my first watch. You just admitted that you were down for watching it again. We can we can stop this review right now and just quickly go watch it again. It's only 90 minutes. It's only 90 minutes. We can just watch it again and then come back. No, I'm okay. Oh. <laughs> um, but I think at this point we've established... No, we haven't actually established all our supporting characters. I lied because the main quote-unquote plot of this movie (laughs) and when i say plot i mean the backdrop that is set up for all these wacky hijinks 
basically the girls are having a big live performance at Albert Hall. It's like a huge big deal and it's happening in a few days and they're prepping for it. And the whole movie is them doing different events or different prep activities or whatever the fuck, you know, gigs and such and just doing all this crazy rehearsals, all this shit. And while that's happening, there are two subplots in the movie. Two subplots. That's right. Two. This is a real movie, Scott, because it has subplots. Subplot number one is, uh, well, I don't even know if it counts as a subplot. It's more of like a running gag at this point because it's these two movie producers played by Mark McKinney, who is a Canadian comedian who's known for mainly Kids in the Hall. And then you have George Went. Who was Norm in freaking Cheers. Yeah, Norm. <laughs> He's in this movie. Who would have thought? And these two guys are movie producers and they are trying to, throughout the movie, pitch different ideas for a Spice Girls film. Huh? Meta? Huh? Meta? You have no idea how meta we're going to get. Okay. So that's happening throughout the whole time. They are just pitching like these crazy ideas. They're, most of them are shit. But no, the best by far pitch of the movie is for Spice Force 5. What is Spice Force 5, you may ask? This guy pitches a whole fucking spy thriller with all the five Spice Girls as different like expertises. The best part, though, is like he goes through all of the Spice Girls. Each of them have their own special skill. And then they get to Victoria and the guy's just like, yeah, and Victoria's just Victoria. <laughs> She's just hot girl. But then also we get a, another surprise celebrity cameo. So there's one point where he's describing Jerry's superpower, basically. And she's a master of disguise. So Jerry Hallowell goes into a phone booth. Wait, 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 pause, pause. She's a master of disguise. She's turtly enough for, for the, the turtle, turtle club. club. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. So she goes into a phone booth. There's a little effect, like a swoosh, you know, and she changes her appearance and she comes out and I'm like, Scott, look at who that is. Really look. And he's like, oh my God, it's fucking Bob Hoskins. <laughs> And he just is like the funniest line in Jerry's voice. It's so good. Oh, Bob Hoskins. And I'm like, oh, Bob Hoskins. We miss you. But um, the other subplot of the movie, which also pops up several times throughout, is with the newspaper guy, Kevin McMaxford. And he is like a TMZ-esque magnate that is like, what if we sabotage the Spice Girls and make all these bad stories happen so we can sell more newspapers. Wouldn't that be fucking amazing? <laughs> the newspaper guy, he's like, why do they keep printing stuff about the Spice Girls? He goes, and then his lackey goes, you run the paper. You're the one who told me to run the story. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm like, that's like if J. Jonah Jameson is, why do I keep having Spider-Man on the cover? It's so funny it's so dumb but kevin mcmaxford is actually played by barry humphreys and unfortunately he also passed away just this past april but he was the voice of bruce the shark in finding nemo oh well, that's a good role yeah fish your friends him. not food yeah yeah buddy there's this one joke that's like probably my favorite joke in the whole movie because it just it kills me 
this evil fucking newspaper magnate is like i put the spice girls up there on the top i can bring them down and immediately it starts thundering and pouring rain in his office (laughs) this movie's so weird and then his assistant is like i'll find someone to help you bring the spice girls down kevin i just wish you wouldn't get so upset implying that he made it rain it is a, it's just oh, so God. funny the delivery it's so good <sighs> it's so funny that is a good joke that it was, was funny good, that damn was a good it. joke the, then they introduced their evil cameraman yes his name is damien and he's actually played by richard o'brien who is riffraff in rocky horror so there is kind of like a mini Rocky Horror reunion in this movie Indeed. since Meatloaf is also in it. But uh, yeah, he's like super creepy in this movie. And throughout the entirety of the film, he's popping up wherever the Spice Girls are in like wacky ways and like printing crazy stories about them. It's a, it's a subplot. It's what It does what a subplot's supposed yes, to do. Yes, it's one of the, the couple subplots. Now you would think at this point we have introduced all of our characters. But no, there's really one more that is of note and that is Nicola, who is the Spice Girls' best friend from back in the day, who for some reason wasn't in the band, even though, according to this movie, they were just all a bunch of friends that have been friends for years and then made a band together and, and somehow they- all got famous together. It definitely wasn't a studio who auditioned several women who were all strangers and brought them together to no. be in a band like very you know simon cowell came together I, x-factor style put all these girls together no, no no definitely not all these women with all these personalities they were besties definitely hang out together yes all besties forever and ever so we have a rehearsal you know for this big show that's happening we get another song here. We get uh, Say You'll Be There, which is another really great song. This one's a bop. The first one was slow, so you can not You can make an argument that it's not a bop. Say You'll Be There is a bop, okay? I will hear no different. I don't even remember the song. I'm giving you Oh, everything. yeah, okay. Yeah, this one's a, it's more of a bop. Yeah, okay. This, I swear. This is, this is more boppy, yes. But, yes, also... Before we even get to Nicolette or Nicola, Nicola, whatever. Oh my God! Pregnant girl. <laughs> pregnant girl. I didn't even reveal that she's pregnant. Go ahead. Go ahead. Before we even get to her, why, 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 why is <laughs> Mel B wearing a spacesuit? Because it's fashionable. I don't know. It's ninety-seven. I don't fucking know. I don't understand. Why do they wear giant platform sneakers? I don't know. But she's the only like everyone else is wearing like skimpy outfits and like like dresses, skimpy outfits, dresses and like fashion. She's wearing an oversized because she's scary spice. She's wacky. She does whatever the fuck she wants. Okay, sure. I will defend Mel B (laughs) to the ends of the earth. No, I'm fine with Mel B. I just don't understand like why. I don't know, Scott. I didn't, I wasn't the costume designer on the movie. Okay, so at this rehearsal, Nicola comes to visit the girls. And Nicola is played by Naoko Mori, who actually I knew from the show Torchwood, which is a spinoff of Doctor Who. Did I ever show you Torchwood? I watched like the first couple episodes. She plays Tosh. And she is in this movie, again, as an old friend of all the Spice Girls. And she is very, 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 very pregnant. Now, (laughs) she's very nice 
and she asks all the Spice Girls to be godmother to her baby and Posh turns around and says, wait a minute, do godmothers get stretch marks? Because uh, she's dumb and all she cares about is her looks. That's a character. <sighs> That's a character. Okay. <sighs> but yeah, she reveals that her boyfriend left her and she's by herself and she's heavily pregnant. So this character is essentially a literal ticking time bomb because you know you know when you see this hugely pregnant woman that by the end of this movie she's going to fucking go into labor in the most inopportune time because why else would you have a hugely pregnant girl in this kind of movie exactly why would you do that Um, and how it happens is so absurd we'll get there but but like holy fucking shit it's so ridiculous it really is so she's very nice so we have the ticking time bomb we have the documentary. We have the movie people. We have the newspaper There's people. There's a lot going on. Oh, we have, of course, our, our managers. Yes, we have the manager, the assistant. What more can we throw into this There's movie? There's even more cameo performances, Scott. There's more people we have to meet. Oh, my God. But essentially, I, I would say Nicola's purpose in the movie is... Her purpose in the movie is one thing and one thing only. Her purpose of the movie is what every time... When we put a ticking time clock like this on the movie, especially in this type of movie, it's supposed to be, oh, everybody's at their wit's end. They're all apart. And she's the point that brings them back together. Right. That's, well, she that's is. Her own- that's, that's the thing. She is their tie, I guess, the girls, to their quote-unquote old life before they were famous. And the only issue with this ticking time bomb that's supposed to bring them all back together is by the time the time bomb goes off they're already back together that's just bad writing we're we're gonna get for this weak ass plot to begin with well now that we've kind of established all of our characters i guess we can go through some of the highlights of all the hijinks okay let's do it uh there's one little hijink where they go pull over on the side of the road by the woods. Oh, my God. And I'm like, Scott, because he was writing notes in his phone. I'm like, put your fucking phone down because you're going to want to watch this. You're not going to believe it. First things first, before we get to the real what the fuckness of what's about to happen. Meatloaf gets like one of the best jokes in the movie right here. Okay. So they pull over the, the bus because none of the toilets work in this fucking double decker mansion. Right. They pull over and the girls get out to go pee in the woods. Clifford says to Meatloaf, I don't understand how all the toilets just break down at the same time. Can't you fix them? And Meatloaf goes, Mister, listen here. I love these girls and I'd do anything for them. But I won't do that. <laughs> well, though, it's not even it's not even just the joke of like, because it's the Meatloaf song. It's so funny, though. It's funny because it's the Meatloaf song. Yes, but the way that's the joke. No, no, no. There's the surface joke, and then there's the way Meatloaf sells it. Meatloaf really does deliver it well. So after that lovely joke that made my Aliens. heart warm, they go to the woods, and they, they end up in this clearing, and all of a sudden, there's a light in the sky and a big gust of wind that hits the girls. And Scott goes, no. oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes, motherfucker. It's aliens. These fucking aliens. What the fuck? Like, I've seen some ugly aliens. E.T. is an ugly motherfucker. Yes. But E.T. could win Miss United States that's, compared to these that's fuckers. That's fair. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I love this movie. So the whole that that the whole hijink aliens come down. They are looking for the Spice Girls cuz they want tickets to their show. <laughs> Jerry makes out with one of them. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. One of them tries to grab Scary's boob. Yes. No grabby the titties. No, no, no. But yeah, so that happens and then it's over. The aliens go away. And they're never mentioned again. <laughs> well, no, no, they, they, they do come back at the end. They come back at the end at like the big dance sequence. At the concert. They're yes. like there. Um, but like, oh my but God. it's so good. It's so good. I oh died. God. Oh, I died. It was so great. Then we get this army dance number. <gasps> yes. After this, they we get more hijinks. They go to dance camp. With a guy named Mr. Step, who was supposed to be played by John Cleese. He was played by some fucking rando guy who was terrible. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know who this guy was or what he was on. But I've, I, John Cleese turned it down, which understandable. You're John Cleese. Like, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do, man. Damn straight. It would have been nice if John Cleese was in this, though. I, I love John well, Cleese. I do, too. You can clearly tell once you know that. Yeah. This was supposed to be John Cleese. Right, yeah. This part was written for John Cleese. Uh, but basically, it's just an eccentric, like, militaristic type dance teacher who is trying to teach them how to dance, and he sucks. And the girls are like, we're going to do our own thing. And then they d- they kind of, like, make up a song on the spot. But just on the subject of John Cleese being offered a role in this movie, there were other people that almost had cameos. For example, Jason Isaacs, who played uh, Daddy Malfoy in the Harry Potter series, he actually filmed a bit as like a very pretentious author slash poet type character. Okay, I can see it. That ended up getting cut, unfortunately. Well, that's sad. So that's kind of a bummer. But this is the one that I really wanted to bring up because it's so funny to me. There is a very prolific and awesome actor who wanted to be in this movie because his sons were big fans of the Spice Girls, but they just couldn't work it out due to scheduling because this guy's like actually a fucking like big time actor. Gary Oldman was almost in Spice World. Interesting. Uh, I looked it up actually the same year that this movie came out. He was in Air Force One, which is a movie that we also reviewed on our show. So maybe that's why they just couldn't work out the scheduling. But that would have been pretty dope. Yeah, because he's Gary fucking Oldman. I love the cameos in this movie. That's what, another thing that I really was excited to let Scott see. Like, I just wanted to see his reaction to like a Bob Hoskins cameo, a Roger Moore cameo, fucking Hugh Laurie. <laughs> So after dance camp, for some reason, instead of getting back into their swanky spice bus, they decide that they're going to stay at the dance camp, which for some, again, unknown reason is held at this really big, creepy, old house that may or may not be haunted. Uh, Well, yeah, and they have this horror music playing, and it's clearly like the horror music. Right. And then they pan ever so slowly... To a toilet. Ah! Ah! But then who comes out of the toilet, Scott? Our fucking cameraman. Ah, uh, Riff Raff comes out of the toilet. 
just spy on the Spice Girls. I totally forgot about that sequence in the movie. So when they panned to the toilet, I was very confused. I'm like, what the fuck? What is happening now? And then you just see his bald, pale ass head coming out of the toilet. And I was like, what the fuck? And then, um, yeah, the, the purpose of that part of the scene is like the girls all have a nightmare and they all convene together. And they're, again, just briefly talking about, oh, I'm so worried about this gig. Oh, my God. We all had the same dream that like, oh, when we got on stage, we couldn't talk because we didn't have a head. Oh, God, we couldn't sing. What's going to happen? This gig. I'm so scared. Well, and then the guy is under the bed spying on them. And then the next day, there's a story in the paper. Spice Girls are scared to do their big live show, which is not front page news. I don't know why that would be a big deal. Doesn't that kind of story, like, oh, they're really nervous about their show, wouldn't that make them more humanized? Right, wouldn't that endear people to them? I would think so. And this is why this acting hurts this movie. Oh, jeez. You you don't say bad acting hurts a movie. Yeah, you never (laughs) would say that. Um... But like, Not in my eyes, but continue. <laughs> but, like, we're trying to plant these seeds of, ooh, the, the Spice Girls could break up, ooh. Like, we're trying to plant these seeds. But at no point in this movie do you really go, wow, there's some real stress here. You know, I really believe that at any moment the Spice Girls could implode. Well, I would agree with you on that. Like, if these girls could act. But they knew they couldn't. That's the thing. Yes. So they worked around that. That's why they didn't focus on the serious stuff. They wanted them to do goofy things more because they're good at being goofy and silly and girl power, which works, I think, for them. I work, it works in their favor that they weren't relied on a lot for good acting. They weren't. They weren't, but they, they still had to. They were to do goofy shit and but, sing songs, but, which they did. But the seeds never can take fruit because there's no one there to water them. What seeds? The seeds of the Spice Girls breaking up. I'm not here for the serious shit, Scott, okay? I'm here for the parody. I'm here for the fun. I'm here for the goofy. Okay? The fucking dialogue in this movie at times is bad. But a lot of times, it's fucking funny. And when the Spice Girls have a funny moment, it works. Usually they come from scary. (laughs) Mel B carries the comedic timing with the Spice Girls. But then a lot of the other funny stuff comes from the supporting characters. I will give you that too. But who said that's a rule that the main characters have to be the only funny people? I'm not saying they have to be the only funny people. I just think in a movie where it focuses on five people, we should have, you know, more than one that's funny. Listen, I don't love this movie because the Spice Girls are great fucking actors. I like the movie because of the cute, like, little whimsical, goofy shit that they do. It's funny. It somehow works. It works despite itself. And the songs slap. But if you look at this movie as a parody, right, it helps. I do think it helps. And if you look at it as a so bad it's good slash cult movie, I also think it helps. It's similar to how when we did Moulin Rouge, I told you, look at it as an opera and that will help you. I'm being dead serious. Because if you look at Moulin Rouge, the film, as like a normal musical, it comes off weird at times. And like certain things don't make sense. And certain things seem over the top. But when you look at it as an opera, it helps you because that's what it's supposed to be. 
and that's why I love Moulin Rouge, and you don't understand art. This is art. <laughs> Spice Girls is art. I love Frankie was winning people over. She had she had the crowd support Shut going up. in her favor, and it's like wow, they they really she, they're like they're getting behind it. They're starting to cheer. They're getting they really are. excited. They're still cheering for me, goddamn. <laughs> and then she goes, and then this is art. <laughs> gone (laughs) silence crickets in the back if you look at this is like a sat question if you look at moulin rouge as an opera it helps you so if you look at spice world as a parody of hard day's night type musical documentary situation it helps because they're not taking anything remotely seriously oh so like if you look at the room like a black comedy (laughs) <laughs> That's just a lie. They went into this movie. Listen to me. They went into this movie knowing that the Spice Girls can't act just like they went into From Justin to Kelly, knowing that neither Justin Guarini or Kelly Clarkson could fucking act. And I'm not insulting Kelly Clarkson. I love her. If she, you asked her, she would say the same thing. She is insulting Justin, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would say the same thing, too. That was a bad idea. If but anybody we can, had to do it, there was a contract, and they can't act. So let's make the best out of it. If anyone can find them, did, they did the best they could with two people that can't fucking act and had no chemistry to get there. No chemistry at all. <laughs> but the Spice Girls have chemistry. Ha! Yes, they have chemistry. Okay, where are we in this? So, I guess we'll let's talk about. The speedboat sequence. Oh my god, the speedboat. So this is the only real incident that happens with the Spice Girls that Riff Raff reports on that like makes sense how it would look bad for the Spice oh, Girls. Oh, this right? would be if this happened today. You could bet this concert may be fucking canceled. What's hilarious too is it's kind of emblematic of what we just talked about about how the supporting cast is funnier than the main cast being the Spice Girls. I wrote several lines down during this whole sequence because there's a lot of really funny lines in this bit. Two young girls win a trip with the Spice Girls. But the Spice Bus is rolling along by the River Thames. The girls, as they are driving by the River Thames, are making fun of Clifford for being a fascist slave driver who bosses them around all the time. And Jerry goes, let's just escape from this place. And Mel B, <laughs> Mel B, man, she looks out the window, sees the River Thames and goes back to the to the group. And it's like, when I say gah, we gah. <laughs> Go! And then they all run off the bus as soon as it stops and they hijack a fucking speedboat. Don't ask me how they do it. It doesn't fucking matter. They get on a speedboat and they go riding around the River Thames. And the River Thames almost becomes the River Styx. Well, <laughs> that's a good that's a good one, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, Clifford and Deborah follow them, right? Cuz uh <laughs> Cliff's like, "What are they doing?" Deborah's like, "Oh no, they're being spontaneous." And Clifford goes, "I've told them before. If they want to be spontaneous they have to clear it with me first that was a good line that was a good line and then deborah's just like oh haven't you ever been a kid clifford you know lighten up a little bit it's it's rock and roll and clifford goes no deborah rock and roll is getting trashed off your face and throwing tvs out of hotel windows i don't remember anything about boats (laughs) again another fucking great line from richard e grant he is a great part in this movie like he is probably one of the strongest parts of this movie yes. and then 
the girls hit a piece of driftwood. Well, this guy driving the boat is a moron. It's oh. like a huge piece of fucking wood in the middle of the fucking water. And, like, they're driving right at it. But he swerves to avoid it. Yes. And the, the two young girls fall out of the boat along at, with Posh. Along with Posh. But the Sporty jumps out after them. Because she's Sporty and she can swim. So she can save them. It's but, fine. And then you you get Alan Cumming coming in with... His banger line, he's like, oh, there's a child in the water. Quick, quick. One of you, get a shot of that wet infant. <laughs> I'm dying laughing. And then, um, <laughs> and then, obviously, Clifford is freaking out, and he says to Deborah as he's going over there to try to get them, Just great. Parents lend us their kids, and we drown them. Uh, now, if this happened... If this happened today... Yes. Spice Girls would be canceled. Spice Girls would be canceled. Spice Girls would be sued. Management would be sued. Yes. This show is over. Yes. Spice Girls might go to jail. I don't think they would go Child to jail. Child endangerment? Okay, they might be in trouble. Let's say that. They, they might be in some trouble. They might have and, to settle out of court. I mean, Cliff says as much. He's like, do you know what would happen if this got out? And then, of course, you see fucking Riff Raff come up with a scuba suit on. And there's a, a thing in the newspaper next day all about it. How dare you try to railroad the Spice Girls? Well, the Spice Girls aren't doing a good job protecting themselves here. They were just having fun. You know, like, ha, 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 ha. That's yes. a line ha, of the movie. Ha, 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 Let's kill two girls. Ha, 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 Oh, ha, no. Ha. They didn't kill them. They uh, were in the end of the movie. They were at the concert. Oh, yes, yes, They're yes. They're fine. They're fine. We didn't drown any children. No. This is like the inciting incident, really, that leads Clifford to just get in a big fight with the girls. And he's like, you know, there's a bunch of people that are putting their whole careers on the line to get you this big gig. And, you you know, at one point, Mel C, I think, says um, we're in a very almost indiscernible way with her accent, <laughs> unfortunately. But she says essentially, like, you know, we're able to take responsibility for our own lives. And he goes, you don't have a life. You have a schedule. My bum is on the line here. <laughs> Clifford is right in the way. Yeah, no, he is. He's not wrong. He's just a dick uh, he, he in is the a, way he's saying it. He is a dick, but like he he is right. Yeah, it's it, you understand both sides of the argument. However, you still feel bad. So it eventually leads to a big blow up between all the girls and Clifford. They all walk out separately, the girls, and kind of just go and like chill at home in their own separate homes and cry because they're like oh well maybe we won't show up to the gig tomorrow night man and then and clifford's like man i think i just caused the breakup of the spice girls but no they must go back to that coffee shop that they all used to go to yeah when they were younger that was stupid five minutes ago well <laughs> okay here's the thing they have this family guy-esque cutaway that is actually a flashback to a very long time ago but obviously this isn't really the origin story of the spice girls what? but the way that they set it up is that these girls were always friends nicola is also in the scene in the flashback and they're at this coffee shop and they're broke as fuck but they're a band and they're trying to get their music off the ground and they this is where they sing their song wannabe which the idea that these girls just wrote this song 
the way they present themselves in the flashback scenes they're just like you know these artists man and they're they just want their music to get out there and they just want to speak from the heart man that's the vibe that you're getting and then they come out with wannabe which if you don't know the basic chorus of that song is if you want to be my lover you got to get with my friends which doesn't seem like something some you know some deep fucking artistry that yes. someone wrote if you want to be my lover you have to sleep with my friends it's right. just how it it's goes just, you know what i mean it doesn't really make sense it doesn't fit in the scene but then again you get a little mini performance of wannabe so hey whatever you know it's um, fine but it's, it also it's fine it also doesn't doesn't make sense that nicola would not be in the band right correct if she's been friends with him this whole time why couldn't she be in the band or be their manager or something of the sort but after this flashback, the Spice Girls are back together at their old haunt. And then they decide, you know what? What's the best idea we can do right now? Let's go grab our pregnant best friend and let's go to the club. Mind you, earlier in the movie, they're like, oh, no, we, we want to go hang out with Nicola. They, like they thought they were going to have a day off or something. So they're like, oh, no, we want to go hang out with Nicola because the baby's overdue. So this very, 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 very pregnant friend of theirs. That's about to pop. That's about to pop any second now, really. You're going to take her to a loud, <laughs> boisterous, fucking crazy ass nightclub to spend time with her because she's about to give birth to her baby. Like, why don't you just go to her house and hang out? Or go to a restaurant. Or, or go out, take her out to dinner. Like, why do you got to go to a dance club? And then they take her, right? They go to the... It's like a two-story club. nightclub. They go to this club. They go, they're on the second floor. And they're like, oh, let's go downstairs and dance to our own song, by the way. Their own song comes on the... There's no paparazzi. No other people in the club are looking at them and be like, oh, my God, it's the Spice Girls. No. They then go downstairs to dance to their own fucking song and leave their pregnant friend upstairs, even though the whole purpose of them coming out was to hang out with her. And they're just like, oh, okay, bye, Nicola. You don't want to dance? Okay, bye. And they go downstairs and dance to their own song. It's silly. It's totally silly. But then, of course, Nicola pops, and they're like, oh, my well, God. Well, she doesn't give birth right there on the dance floor. She goes well, into labor. Yes, her water breaks. Meanwhile, Clifford is actually at a bar, like, just completely having a nervous breakdown and losing his mind and getting shit-faced. And he's on the phone with Chief, and he's like, I'm going to get the girls on stage, Chief. Don't you worry. Even if I have to gather up four girls and personally dress up as Victoria... <laughs> And Roger Moore is like, let's hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> and then Deborah comes in and they kind of commiserate. And you're left to wonder at the end of it if they're going to fuck. Because they kind of like leave it open ended if they fucked or not. At the end of the movie, you don't really know. Oh, they totally did. You kind of assume they did, but they don't come right out and say it. But I thought that was kind of cute, but it did kind of come out of nowhere that they suddenly wanted to bang each other. But Frankie. What? Frankie. What? You're missing the cameo. Look, oh, Elvis Costello is their bartender. She. Because that's normal. <laughs> that's a thing that happens all the time. Yeah, so the girls then decide that they, of course, have to take Nicola to the hospital because she is in labor. They they have a funny joke with Meatloaf, too, at this point. They go get Meatloaf out on the bus, and it's like, we got to get to the hospital. Dennis, we got to go. He's like, what's the matter? We're having a baby. What, all of you? <laughs> So they go to the hospital to be with Nicola and they won't leave her until she has the baby, which 
leads to uh, this this is where the real kind of like the you know we're gearing up to the real climax of the movie here because we're getting closer and closer to showtime and they're still at the hospital waiting for nicola to give birth you know deborah and clifford are calling them calling them like we're not leaving nicola till she has this freaking baby and clifford comes out with like one of the funniest lines in the movie it can't take this long to have the baby it's the 90s <laughs> it's so good and we get some funny stuff in the bus on the way to the hospital. Like, this is the part where I was like, Melby is me. Because at one point, they're like, okay, does anyone know how to deliver a baby? And Jerry's like, oh, uh, here's the first thing you do. Uh, put your legs together. And Melby just goes, well, that's a bit late. She should have done that nine months ago. Oh, God. <laughs> and then she starts laughing. And it's like, wait, wait, do not make Nicola laugh. Because the thing will just shoot out like a cannonball. <laughs> I was like, that would be me in like any serious situation. Uh, I would just heal the fear and the sadness and craziness with jokes. Yes. And finally, when Nicola has the kid, Riff Raff is also there. Yes, Riff Raff was there to take pictures. So, okay, so this is where we get to the climax, right? Because now Nicola's had the baby. Of course, she had a girl. Girl power to the nth degree, right? Hooray, hurrah. The show, we're like in crunch time. The show is happening like now. We have to get to Albert Hall immediately. Clifford, meanwhile, is again so freaking the fuck out. Even after he just may or may not have fucked Deborah, he's still very, very much on edge. He's like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then the movie guys come and they're like, we have something to pitch to you. This is where it gets super meta. Ready for this, guys? Okay, so the movie guys come, the producers, and they're like, hey, we have one last pitch to make to you. Uh, here's the story. It's about the girls doing their big live performance at Albert Hall, and it's like, wait, what? They're basically pitching the movie that is currently happening. Yes. So the climax, I love this fucking it, climax. It's so meta. It's, it's super meta. And it gets really insane and really ridiculous. I love it, though. This is why I love it. This is why it's a parody, Scott. Oh, God. Parody! So, basically, the whole setup for the climax is... The girls are in the bus because, mind you, Meatloaf has disappeared. He's not by the bus, so Posh has to drive the bus. And they have to basically have a chase scene, essentially, because it's a race against time. So they have to go and get to Albert Hall on this bus. And meanwhile, the movie producers are basically narrating the climax to Clifford as it's happening. And they're cutting back and forth to the girls doing what they're saying. It's so fucking great and they're like at one point they have to jump a bridge wow that sounds really expensive and then they do like a toy bus jumping the bridge they- and then they have a bomb on the bus why it's the rules <laughs> it's the rules but then the, the fucking movie producer goes they've been through too much yeah it was the way they edited it was really fun so finally like he finishes the movie pitch like and then they walk through the door and they all turn to the door and dead silence nothing happens for, like, and clifford's like you lie to me and then grabs him by the throat and you can tell clearly by the way Richard E. Grant is holding the guy's neck that he's not choking him in any way he's like barely holding him by the neck and he's just like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I'm like okay all right so then the guy's like well, well wait uh, I'll rewrite it and then we get what's really happening so the girls pull up to Albert Hall and they're running up the steps to Albert Hall with the Rocky music over them by the way of course right And then, as they're going to cross the street and go through the entrance, they are cut off by the police. And our main police officer, who speaks to the girls and almost arrests them, is played by none other than Kevin McNally. Gibbs! 
Yes, this is now the third movie with Kevin McNally that we've done this season. We did Family Opera. We did, obviously, Pirates of the Caribbean, and now we're doing Spice World. (laughs) This guy can't get away from us. (laughs) Kevin McNally, this is your season. Baby Spice ends up talking to him because Baby Spice can get away away with anything. That's fine. We cut to Richard E. Grant. Oh, my God. This is... Oh, my God. I love this This scene. This is arguably the darkest part of this movie. It's so good, guys. But it might be (laughs) the funniest part of this movie. This is why I love this movie. Richard E. Grant is sitting there in the dressing room and he's silent and he's just staring off into space very clearly upset and angry and just stewing and he's speaking to the the documentary crew he's speaking to alan cumming and he goes okay i'm gonna go out there on stage the music's gonna start the lights will go up and i'll walk out center stage and hang myself and he pulls out a noose (laughs) it's like oh my god and then so Deborah, poor Deborah is just standing there. And he, he's like, and he's like, my final words are, I hate the Spice Girls. And then I hate them. And they walk in, and he's like, oh, I love you, I love these girls. And then Alan Cummings like, fuck, that would have been a really good ending to this documentary. It's so fucked up, but so funny. Um, and then yeah, we get our happy ending. The girls go out for their concert. They sing "Spice Up Your Life," and the movie ends and it's a happy ending and then i had forgotten about this completely guys this is a marvel movie we have right here we have a mid-credit scene jesus christ essentially the mid-credit scene is the making of the movie that the movie producers are talking about because of course the movie producers you know they make the deal they're gonna make the spice girls movie so the mid-credit scene is that and then the spice girls themselves decide to break the fourth wall and speak to the film audience which is fun and then the last line of the movie the thing that ends it all makes it just the chef's kiss parody the movie ends with jerry going yeah but you know what they're wondering now don't you what happened to the bum on the bus (gasps) and then the bus explodes off screen (laughs) cuts to black that's the end of the movie and that's the end of the movie Oh, that was... That was Spice World. And... I fucking love this movie, guys. I'm sorry. It's not a plot-heavy film, okay? This isn't fucking Citizen Kane, okay? We're not here for that. We're here for fun. And we're here for goofiness. And we're here for parody and silliness. And that's what we got. I actually had this rated as a three before rewatching it and I bumped it up to three and a half just because the nostalgic hit I get from watching this movie is just too powerful I can't not give it the love that I feel it deserves Uh, Frankie loves the spice I do love the spice so Scott talk it out with me how are you feeling now after kind of reviewing it going through everything again in your head the plot is barely there There's a lot of bad decisions in this movie. There's a lot of funny moments in this movie. There's some great cameos in this movie. The movie feels very disjointed at times. Could this have been better with, like, maybe a more seasoned hand? Probably. But you get what you get, and you don't get upset. (laughs) You can 
can get upset. If you you want. get a little upset. <laughs> I think if you wanted to watch Spice World and you've never watched it before, get high first. Well, I was gonna say go down to your local liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> get your drink of choice. Get a little buzz going. Just a little. Not then as the movie goes on, get a little more hammered as the movie goes on. You got to find a good drinking game for this. I feel like that'd be really fun. That'd be very interesting. But I think Frankie did her best. She's going to get very happy in a second cuz I think she succeeded. I'm going to give the Spice Girls Spice Movie Spice World Spicy Spice. Spicy Spice. <laughs> I'm going to give it a two and a half. Woo! Woo! By no means is this a good movie. That's fine. I never thought you would like it. <laughs> this isn't a movie that was meant for me. This is a movie... If 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 I was going to watch this again, I'm pulling the Picardi out. Fine. And I'm going to get the but little... But you're, you're willing to watch it again at some point down the line. In some capacity. I have to be toasty. But fine. I will watch it again. Toasty is good. Again, it's one of those movies that has a reputation to it. It's it's dumb, but you know what? It's dumb in a fun way. Yeah, and I would agree with that for sure. <laughs> and you have to know going in. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. But it's a fun shit show. You don't have to think very much, to be fair. Oh, you don't have to think at all. Really? I mean, you have to think enough to know who the characters are, because there are quite a few characters. Once you know who everybody is, you can kind of just enjoy and, you know. I think, again, if you go in, go in low, get your few laughs, get the fuck out. Yeah, I'm really glad that we did this. I'm glad you're glad. I know. What the good news is that bad movie month is over. Oh God, thank the Lord. So uh we are gonna be taking next week off just to recover from the bad movie month and all of its stressors. Uh maybe, you know, during that week off we'll we'll have our third my third, your second viewing of Spice World and we'll we'll report back, but maybe not. Maybe maybe not. Maybe not, so that says No maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. Don't worry. I'll watch it like three more times then. But after next week, we will come back with another Disney movie and then we'll be going straight into Spoopy Month. Ooh. I can't believe it's already almost October. It's Jesus so bizarre. Christ. It's so weird, man. It's like already mid-September. It's bizarre. But anyway, so until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Sparky Spice. And I'm Jewish Spice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) um, Oh, God. What's our outro? (laughs) I broke Frankie. Yes. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick and check out all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back in a couple of weeks for our spicy, girl-powery movie adventure. Spice. (laughs) If you want to be my lover. Go. You gotta get with my friends. Yeah, go fuck my friends. Oh yeah. Friendship never ends. Orgy. <laughs>